0: Welcome to Mutiny Community, the officially unofficial podcast for Halt and Catch Fire on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Eric. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 5, titled Yerba Buena, which is apparently the former name of San Francisco. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Um, I, That's interesting. Yeah, what did you think of this episode? I
1: think it's... <sighs> I don't know. I feel like it was a little bit of a downer episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like Cameron is kind of getting on my nerves big time. Uh, I just, you know, the main thing between episodes, kind of the marker for a good episode is that characters change from the beginning to the end. I feel like nothing really changed from the beginning (laughs) to the end of this except for, you know, Cameron got engaged. But that was kind of like a little capper. Yeah. At the end,
0: which is unexpected. Engaged, or did she actually get married? Was this week long thing like a honeymoon for her, dude? What? I don't know. Maybe she did get married. I feel it like was she like might a have band. got married.
1: Yeah, it wasn't an engagement ring; it was a band. It looked pretty big
0: to me. <laughs> and oh, did it have a diamond on it? I I can't. I'm not sure. It was, it was okay. a very dark scene. It was a dark scene. Uh,
1: yeah. I you know. Oh, I'm looking it up here. Yerba Buena is a Spanish name for a number of aromatic plants, which belong to the mint family. Okay. So maybe we'll have to do a name game later on this, because I thought that might reveal to us something thematically
0: about the episode, but I'm not sure. Uh, it means that good, good herb. That's what it means. That good, good herb.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, b- between that, uh, you know, the whole Donna and Gordon thing was mm-hmm. kind of meh. Uh Hmm. Joe's quick brush with AIDS. <laughs> Very quick,
0: right? Interesting. Although, you know, they never confirmed nor denied that he has AIDS. I I think I don't know that he would be out on his balcony smiling if he did. The thing is, Joe is just the kind of crazy person who might be smiling. Because really? he's like, oh, I've got
1: a ticking time bomb now, which means that now I have to do something great. I don't know. We could talk about that a little bit later. Okay. Uh, Boz, once again, is getting thrown
0: under the bus. Oh, poor Boz. Yeah. Although, I mean, he's, his, his cows, his cattle's coming home to roost or something? What would he say? Uh, I feel um, like he'd have a colorful analogy for, like, you know, years of being a shitty parent have finally come back around on you. I believe it's peaches. Peaches have come home to roost? Peaches. Yeah, well, when. <laughs>
1: When Donna comes in uh, after the when he comes back from Texas, she's like, "Where's Cameron?" Uh, He's like, "Peaches." Yeah, that's that's a that's a Bosism. Okay, he'd say peaches. He'd say peaches. (laughs) He'd say peaches. I'm a bad dad. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I found Cameron to be a little bit insufferable in this episode, and I just. It's the whole thing of I can't be around people and yet I'm mutiny is me and all of this. I just, it's starting to fall a little flat for me. And I'm hoping that we can get some more growth because that's where I really like Cameron. I like Cameron when she's growing. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's kind of receding in this episode, which, you know, happens in drama. You look at Don Draper, it's like he goes through ebbs and flows of being a good guy and being the worst human on the planet. So, right. uh, you know, that happens in drama. So I'm hoping we can return because the Cameron, who's wearing a preschool shirt that literally says preschool on the shirt, uh-huh. throwing a tantrum because Donna is trying to run a business when Cameron is completely checked out, uh, and then finding relief in her wedding-slash-engagement band i mm-hmm. I'm like, can we please like
0: just have a little bit more maturity at a Cameron? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we've I, had 3 seasons of this. Look, I I know I I get the the metaphor here with San Francisco. Like Joe spells it all out, you know, the the place burned 7 times to the ground before they even got a city started here. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like everybody's crashing and burning in this episode. Kind of back right. to where they were at square 1, much like yeah. the city. So like, huh. I get it thematically, uh, but you're right. It's not that entertaining to watch. Um, yeah. And, and I just feel like I I, I question whether Cameron's grown at all since the beginning of this series. Yes.
1: I completely question that, too. Like, I really liked it. At the beginning of season three, when she's going to these VC pitch meetings. And I love this scene actually in season two when she goes to the WestNet office and she's like, Oh, you're a Gretzky fan? Like, I love hockey, when she obviously doesn't love hockey. Like, she's, you know, she's, she knows, she, she knows how to go out there. She knows how to be a little bit more mature. Mm -hmm. But she does just keep on regressing back. I need to go and be in a dark place for a week in order to regroup. That's fine. Just make a phone call. Right. It's so easy. Yeah. Just be like, hey, uh, Donna, I'm going to be out for the week. Don't, like, indefinitely disappear. Because guess what? The world's going to move on without you when you do that. It has to. Yes. It literally has to, or (laughs) else
0: the business dies. Yeah. And then
1: on top of that, we're creating the internet, and we're creating PayPal. So,
0: Right. um, Yeah, I forgot about the whole internet thing. That's still going on. Yeah, they are Straight up making the internet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the stuff they were talking about this episode is basically the elimination of all these kind of uh, just clustered walled fortresses, you know, like mm-hmm. AOL and mutiny, obviously, is one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's ki- kind of the elimination of all that and the the openness that he was talking about. Yeah. Uh, which might be problems for mutiny in the future if they can't adapt. And, you know... Now that Donna and Cameron are on the outs again, who knows if they'll be able to get any business done. The thing about
1: it, I'm not really, from what I've seen, I'm not worried about the dynamic between Cameron and Donna. I'm not worried about the dynamic between Donna and Gordon. I don't understand why Gordon is so hurt. Wait, what do you mean you're not, you're not worried about it? I'm just not worried about it. Like We've had these fights before. We've seen it time and time again. Okay. Uh, this is this is a explicit betrayal of trust because it is a blatant lie, right? On top of a blatant um, insubordination, if mm-hmm. you are, if you, if you will. So, this is a little bit different, but I
0: don't see them not being able to patch this up. Yeah, I don't know. Eventually, you're definitely right. Um, the thing that really sucks about you know Cameron reacting uh, so. I don't know so uh, violently to this reveal that Donna lied Mm -hmm. to her is Mm -hmm. Cameron has done the same thing to Donna. Like Mm -hmm. we saw her hacking private chats and And spying on people. And she never told Donna about that. And that's a explicit breaking of their user agreement. So like (laughs) she's just as much to blame here. Uh, Now that doesn't excuse Donna's actions, but it does like she should understand that. I think. I completely agree with you. And the fact of the matter is
1: Donna is there to clean up Cameron's messes. Right. That's why she she was literally doing that in the house. She's picking up pizza boxes for Christ's <laughs> sakes. So you know what? She's there to save Cameron from herself. That's that's Donna's job. Yeah. Is to save Cameron from Cameron and allow this company to exist. And you know what? You gotta break a few eggs in order to do that, especially with someone who's as volatile
0: as Cameron. Right. So, How do you feel about her, like Cameron coming in with a solution for this problem? And actually what I consider probably a better solution for that time?
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, it's basically PayPal. It's like we're going to allow you to pay directly to somebody else uh, using your credit card or your checking account in this case.
0: Yeah, and credit cards are like a pretty new thing at that point.
1: You're right. Yeah, that's... I didn't even think of that. That's completely true. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, uh,
0: not a lot of people probably have them. I yeah. I don't know. Um, But, but well, this idea that, like, you know, Donna says she's there to support her, but she has lied mm-hmm. to Cameron, like, straight mm-hmm. up. Yep. And then Cameron comes in with a really good solution. So does Donna really need to clean up her messes or just give Cameron the space to work? I mean... Absolutely not. Okay, this is the thing that really irked me about Cameron in
1: this episode. It it comes down to one line where she said, "Where she's like, uh, you know, Mutiny is me, right?" Um, that is like the worst because Mutiny is not her. If it was just Cameron here, Mutiny would still be a game company with mm-hmm. four employees and a pa- stack of pizza boxes in a dirty house in in Austin. Right. That's what Mutiny would be. Donna fostered community which became what community is or what Mutiny is now. Mm-hmm. Mutiny is community. They ditched the entire reason why Cameron even started the company <laughs> because yeah. Donna had the balls to to venture out and find where the actual value was. And this whole idea that Cameron knows the user so well and that if we do something to upset the user, you know, it's going to rock the boat here. Uh, I don't think she cares about the user at all. I think that she built community. She built Mutiny for herself. Right. And... She wants to use it. It's something that is being used by other people. But I think one of the biggest fallacies that you can have is like, well, I'm, I like this. So everybody else must like it, too. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the level that Cameron is operating on. So I do think that if you leave mutiny in Cameron's hands and Donna never enters the picture, mm-hmm. mutiny is not in San Francisco right now.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, she never would have done the deal with Joe on that network. Right. Uh, I mean, just, yeah, a lot, a lot of things would have gone differently from Mutiny. She
1: wouldn't be in the... They, they wouldn't have the capital to buy the server that they're on right now.
0: Right. Because they got that from Gordon. Yeah. Yeah, they blackmailed Gordon into that. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Shrewd it's a, move. You're right, you're right. Tana has contributed a lot, and Cameron doesn't see it. Uh, or if she does see it, she doesn't appreciate it like she should. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's... Uh, uh, I, think she, I just wish they I could get along kind of and pushes. all be awesome yeah. and mutiny could take off.
1: Yeah. Like I really enjoy this show when uh, I enjoy the show when they're battling external problems. Like that's one of the things that a show like Silicon Valley does almost to a fault in its episodes. It's, it's got this like, do you watch Silicon Valley? Yeah. Yeah. It's got this kind of formula where like there's a big problem. hmm and then they kind kind of like back their way into a solution for it and then at the very last scene of the tv show they set up the giant problem for next week's episode it's like yeah. the cyclical very formulaic plot and they started breaking from it in the most recent season which was good um, but the problem with this is like they're not i like it when i like it when these characters are faced with external problems and they're overcoming those problems together yeah. we t- Yeah, they're doing it together. They're finding creative solutions. That's really satisfying to me. And we did talk about it last week how, uh, you know, these characters are their biggest antagonists in many ways. Mm -hmm. And a lot of good drama is built on that. A show like Mad Men on AMC was built on that, that that everybody is their biggest antagonist. They have to overcome their own personal demons Mm -hmm. in order to become successful. Like, that's all great. But I don't know if these characters are strong enough (laughs) to (laughs) have that be the central conflict in the plot. And that's the one thing that concerns me about the show moving forward. It's like, what are the problems that they're actually solving? Because even a show like Mad Men had an ad pitch that was coming in or had, uh, you know, external forces acting on these people. Uh At this point, there aren't any external forces acting on these characters they're all just battling with themselves and I, I want some kind of adversarial situation. It, 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 that's more interesting to me at this point with these characters.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they said as much, right? Cameron says, look, we're the only people working on this problem. There is yeah. no competition for us. So they're really, yeah, it, it's all internal. It doesn't feel like there's any motivation for them to band together and get things done, Right. Uh, which I'm with you. That's where I kind of like this show. Yeah, I like the problem solving. Like
1: they're yeah. so whiz bang with this stuff now. It's like, well, we worked on it for a week, and now we've coded PayPal. So, guess we did it. <laughs> like that—that's the problem solving. Like, let's. uh I, I just want to see. Uh, a but bit I more figured conflict. out a better
0: way to do it. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. The problems yeah. are how do we do this the best way? And then Joe is
1: still. Interesting to me. I don't know if he's the mm-hmm. most interesting character on the show anymore, uh, at this point in the season. Cause like at the beginning of the season, we were really intrigued by joe because like he's super different. Like he's McAfee, he's Steve Jobs, he's this hybrid uh linen wearing dude. <laughs> and in this episode, uh, he's totally relegated to a B plot, has no interaction with the other characters, and it's just hanging out in an apartment with Ryan. It's it's like what? Yeah. When are we going to see these characters come back and interact with one another again? Because that's good conflict. At least we know that that is good conflict,
0: right? Bye. And now
1: they've com- they've completely emaciated Joe to the point where he doesn't have that gift of gab anymore. Uh, I mean, he does on a global scale, but I I like to see him manipulating Gordon or manipulating Cameron or manipulating Donna. Or he is that tentacle that wraps around their characters and and foils them, and that's interesting to me. I don't want to tell him how to write the show, but I will say (laughs) that this episode was a down episode, and I
0: think that's the reason why we've lost external adversaries. Yeah, so... It's weird to me what they're doing with Joe, I guess, because it feels, like you said at the beginning, so sudden and so ultimately yeah. unimportant because it turns out to be nothing, right? I mean, yeah. unless unless we want to go with your theory that Joe smiles because he does have AIDS and he is going right. to die at some point and now right. he's got to get shit done. Uh, yep. I, I'm going to say that might be a bridge too far for me. I think he's smiling because mm-hmm. he doesn't have it uh, and that allows him right. to focus again, but... It's ultimately pointless, if that's the case, because we didn't know about mm-hmm. it until the he gets a phone call from his doctor, and then one scene later, it's resolved. <laughs> it, it's not a conflict. It's just there. Yeah, I mean, we do get hints of it, and I feel like they did a pretty good
1: job of hinting at it. And I actually would have really liked it if the, he didn't get the phone call in this episode, and it wasn't, Hello, Joe, <laughs> uh, this is the AIDS clinic with your HIV right. results.
0: like. Just let him answer a random like a phone that we don't hear or something,
1: yeah, because there's enough there, I mean we're in it's the it's the it's the mid to late eighties, right it's San Francisco Joe is uh you know this was an epidemic in the in the gay community in San Francisco during that time mm-hmm. um, so I think it's great that they are addressing it because I feel like it would be a huge blind spot if they weren't, um right, but I think it would be a lot more interesting, honestly. You know, this is a. This sounds like a terrible thing to say, but I wish Joe had AIDS, so, oh, because God. I honestly feel like that is an external conflict that could You're make right. things more You're interesting. Right. Think about it. This. Uh, it sounds the, really bad. It sounds really bad, but he's a fictional character, so I could say it. I, I obviously would never say sure. that about a real person, but he's right. a fictional character, and think about all the conflict that could arise from that. You have a CEO of a major corporation. Uh, You know he could come out There was still a lot of stigma around AIDS And homosexuality during this time Huge Mm -hmm. stigma around those things at this time Yeah Um, So they could address those Like this They could address some of the social things that are going on The way that Mad Men was able to Intertwine social commentary And the social things that were happening with the story Without making it the central point of the story Right I feel like if Joe had AIDS It could be a little bit It could be an interesting catalyst for drama in the plot. So I was a little disappointed a, that they were so overt about it with the phone call. Mm-hmm. And cause there was enough context clues there. I mean, he gets to visit there. You know, he has, his partner has to tell him something. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Joe's crying in the corner. He has the line. He says, you know, I'm not sure if I have another next in me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's starting to battle depression around this and anxiety around this decision. He's crying this is, this is in his room. <laughs> like, yeah, He's sobbing, shirtless in his room. Uh-huh. Um, so that I was a little disappointed that got resolved so quickly.
0: Like I yeah. feel like that could be a plot for the next three seasons, right? And you know, certainly if he has AIDS, yes, that would be yeah, that'd be a huge development for that character. Um, yes, not a positive one, but one that's interesting to watch. Dude, Walter White got diagnosed with lung cancer in episode one, right?
1: <laughs> and that was the catalyst for six seasons of drama. So
0: yeah. There could be quite a bit of
1: drama based on that.
0: Yeah. For sure. Uh yeah. but yeah, as they handle it, I I don't know. It felt like kind of a nothing to me. Exactly. That's what I was a little
1: worried about. Like it seems like they're almost going to more of a serialized uh more of a serialized approach to this show, which is not where AMC thrives. Mm-hmm. You know. Is serialized a, No, maybe serialized I- E- Not what I'm trying I think to say. Episodic.
0: Is that the the term?
1: Yeah. You know what I'm saying. It's right. They're, they're going, they're trying to make these kind of canned episodes, mm-hmm. which is understandable. They're trying uh, to get oh. viewers. They're trying to get people p- plugging in here and be like, oh, wait a second. They're making the internet. Oh, wait a second. They're making uh, PayPal. Oh, and she's <laughs> married. Who's this <laughs> right. Tom guy? Yeah. Why are they in Texas? I understand that they're trying to get viewers. And so maybe you got to go to a little more of a self-contained Story, but this story thrives when it has room to breathe. And I feel like this episode just had no room to breathe.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, speaking of cans. Yeah. We got to talk about the Tandy Shandy this week.
1: Oh, we got to talk about the Tandy Shandy. Well, I was ready to talk about it right off the bat, but then you got me on this.
0: Yeah, sorry about that. You know, uh, you know. We, we did start the mega thread. You definitely oh, did mega. that. Uh, it's a mega thread. We got a fair amount of suggestions. And uh huh. I found out something that I didn't realize. Sunkist actually has caffeine in it. That is crazy. And it's it's kind of fitting that I would be drinking a Sunkist tonight because mm-hmm. I think there was one in the show. I think one of the, the coders was mm. drinking one. Mm-hmm. So I, tonight, for my Tandy Shandy, have paired the Sunkist with the Blue Moon instead of the Surge with the Blue Moon. All right. Uh, for a, a more definitive orange flavor. And I think it's going down pretty smooth i'm I'm it's enjoying working, it, huh? yeah, that's good. If you got a that's pair easy. beer and soda, <laughs> yep, I think that's the way to go so far. It's pretty good. I went with a professional opinion
1: um this comes to us from Quo Vadimus uh is the is his name on the forums? Mm-hmm. Um, dude, you got to work on these forums. Like, we need full body avatars and rooms for each of these, <laughs> right? Where their heads pop off
0: and blood. We could walk, out. yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> we need a guillotine room. Uh, It'd be really good. Um, but he says he's a former bartender. Okay. So this, these are some professional pairings that might be pretty good. And he has one down here for the IPA crowd. I am a Seattleite, which means that I inherently in uh, born with a uh, can of IPA in my IV, as a, they just IV it as soon as you're a baby. Oh man, they get they get that hop flavor uh, hardlined into your arteries. Anyway, <laughs> it does say for the IPA crowd, Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IPA and Mountain Dew, and that is what I'm doing right now. Nice. Um, How is it? It's really good. Like, I feel like Dr. Pepper let me down last week. I feel like Dr. Pepper is a deceptively sweet soda. Mm-hmm. It's overpoweringly sweet. And comparatively, Mountain Dew is fairly dry. Really? Compared to Dr. Pepper. Wow, I would not
0: have guessed that.
1: Yeah, because you think of, you know, Mountain Dew. I mean, Mountain Dew is like probably my favorite soda because I am a registered uh, registered geek. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a card-carrying nerd. Um so Mountain Dew is my favorite soda, but uh, it just pairs real nice. I like it. I'm, I'm liking the the complement of the citrus flavor from the Mountain Dew and the citrus flavor from the hops in the Torpedo. Plus, the Torpedo is a extra IPA, which clocks in. It's, I think it's over seven percent. Oh, so right. it'll get you nice and toasty. Yeah, yeah. While the Mountain so, Dew is
0: keeping you sharp. Mm-hmm.
1: One keeps you sharp, and the other one's a beer. So uh, please go to forums.bobbadoop.com, listener, because we are doing the Tandy Shandies for Mutiny Community. If you go there, and on the right side of the screen, there's Halt and Catch Fire. It is a category. You click that, that'll take you to the Tandy Shandy mega thread. <laughs> so put your Tandy Shandy recipes there, one beer, one soda, and uh, we'll try as many of them as we can right here on the
0: old podcast.
1: All right. Well, speaking of peaches here, Tim, Jim,
0: Tim, Tim, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I, trying to ease my way toward the nickname of Tom so I, I think can get that, with Cameron.
1: I think that the, uh, I think that the old Tandy Sandy might be working its magic right now. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: quick, start coding something. I know. Right. Uh, how, what, how did you feel about the, the, uh, Donna Gordon plot in this show?
0: You know, I actually kind of liked it until the very end, where it's it, yeah. it flipped back in on itself, and oh, Gordon's just gonna be Gordon. Uh, he realized he, <laughs> his wife doesn't like something he likes, and all of a sudden he's butthurt about it. I, I don't know, man. But this I really the like thing. them when they're happy. I do. I
1: know they're cute. They're yeah. very charming. Yeah, that's the thing about this couple is that they these two actors can play very very charming with one another mm-hmm. and you you want to root for these guys they make you want to root for this terrible marriage and yeah. it's it's a it's a wonderful feat to behold yeah um yeah but yeah i i couldn't tell if he was mad because she was like you're insane if that was an undertext
0: yeah maybe because she
1: indirectly called him insane maybe um or
0: if it was just because she doesn't like something that she used to like. Right. Or, or that she like, told him that she liked, uh, right? Like, I think that's the thing. Yeah. She pretended to enjoy camping with him, and they had this great time. I think mm. the trip they went on in this beer cap that he finds is part of, like, yeah. a camping trip, right? Right. It's the good old days. Yeah. But
1: at the same time, you know, you can enjoy something when you're younger and not enjoy it when you're older and maybe you look back on it and you're like, yeah, that was really fun, but it was also really ridiculous. Right? Like I, when I was 19, I took a road trip with my buddy David from San Diego to Vancouver, British Columbia and back down. And we did it in a week. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. First day we drove from San Diego to San Francisco. Second day we drove from San Francisco to Seattle, which is a 13 hour drive. Nice. Nice. Then we went to Vancouver. We went to Victoria. We went from Victoria back to Eugene, Oregon. Then from Eugene, Oregon to Sacramento, Sacramento to San Diego in a week. It was a super fun trip, but it was really gross. Uh, there's a, we ate a lot of Burger King. Uh, uh, and we probably should have been arrested about two or three times. Whoa. But j- just based on, um, well, we don't need to get into that, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, based on our t- based on our
0: Tandy Shandy preferences at the time, ah, uh, you know, I, but, I have similar experiences with land parties. So, yeah, I feel exactly. you. Like, I don't know that as a 34 year old man going on 35, I can yes. really do a 48 hour party with nothing but exactly. pizza and Mountain Dew.
1: You know, it's one thing to wake up in sweaty jeans on a couch uh, in a frat house at the University of Oregon while a cat is wiping its shit on the ground Uh. as you wake up, the house cat. um, You know, that's one thing. It's kind of a fun memory to look back on, but I'm not like, hey, I want to do that right
0: now. Right. No. Uh, So anyway... Um I wish just Gordon would understand that it's not yeah. it's nothing against him. It's not don't yes. take it personally. She just doesn't like doing that stuff if anymore if she ever did.
1: Not to mention, dude, they're sitting in bed smoking weed. Okay. Right. Like, first of all, don't ever hold anything against anybody if they say something while they're high. Uh huh. Because <laughs> you say stupid shit when you're high. It's kind of part of being
0: high. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and Gordon always should ele- know that. Come on. He got yes, high exactly. and cheated on Donna. Exactly. Well, I think we could still fault
1: him for that. but Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, people say stupid shit when they're high. They're not as eloquent as they'd like to be. I'm not as eloquent as I'd like to be right now because I'm drinking Mountain Dew and fucking <laughs> Torpedo. Okay? So, you know, don't hold it against me. If I say I don't like camping, when I used to like camp. I, it's, it's just it, it seemed like such an empty... Uh, you know, it seems like a little bit of an empty argument. Yeah. And, he, and Gordon comes across as uber sensitive about this shit. Mm-hmm. Like he could be like, yeah, I know like taking a shit when you're in the woods is a drag and just like laugh it off. Right. Instead of being like, I'm really hurt that you do that. You don't like camping. And it's, it
0: sends him into the, spiraling into the ham hole again. I mean, he's, he's back. <laughs> on. <laughs> that's his closet, right? That's what he calls mm-hmm. it. The ham hole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. He's back on his radio, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that's not just a thematic thing for that one episode. He's actually into it.
1: Yeah. I mean, we should have definitely named this podcast The Ham Hole, by the way. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, it's just his version of Hearthstone. Uh, I sure. have that conversation with my wife every once in a while. It's like, hey, I'm going to go play Hearthstone. <laughs> She's like, all right,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know. So it's his version of Hearthstone, but yeah, it is true, man. I think that we get a little bit of an intriguing thing here with the ham radio reappearing. So
0: yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, fucking Tom is back. Yeah, Tom's back in a big way, and it looks that like was, he's going to be around for a while. That was sudden, very sudden. That was some sudden Tom shit.
1: Um, you know when we see her. In Dallas, once again, I feel like they're playing with the, with the Dallas, Austin teleporting
0: again. Because Tom doesn't Tom live in, oh. Austin? I I couldn't tell you. I really don't know. Because Mutiny
1: was in Austin, wasn't it? I'm starting to think that maybe Mutiny was in Dallas, but I'm pretty sure it was in Austin because that's where we started this thing. Cardiff is in Austin, Texas. Okay. You know, Joe drives up on the University of Texas hmm. uh, in the very first scene of the first episode. So I guess I always assumed that this whole thing took place in Austin. Mm-hmm. But I'm really confused if that's the case. Because how the hell, if her parents live in Dallas, did she walk to
0: Austin <laughs> to go to Tom's house? <laughs> uh, uh, Yeah, I don't know. It seems hard like, to sneak away to Dallas or Austin if you're in yeah, there. I mean, they're playing fast and loose with the flyover states a little bit here.
1: And, you know, that's fine for a hoity-toity bicoastal drama, but it's a little ridiculous because I'm really confused right now with the time and place in
0: Texas. Yeah. Because this whole thing is implied that it takes place in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, Dallas but, was a, a big technology center back in that day, too, okay. and still is in a lot of ways. Okay.
1: Okay. Maybe maybe I was just off. Maybe he only goes to Austin to go to University of Texas and the rest of the thing takes place in Dallas, but I feel like they talked about Austin. Anyway, <laughs> I just was under the impression that, that Tom lived in Austin.
0: Well, wherever he lives, he's uh he's living in Cameron's heart now. I, I guess know, man. I, I guess they have a lunch where they they're both excited to see each other and then all of a sudden boom, they're getting married. Yeah. Why? Okay, let me ask you the big question here. Mm-hmm. Why does Cameron do this? Uh, okay, I do think it's telling, because
1: in the last scene of the show, she is wearing a shirt that says preschool <laughs> on it. She's wearing like a, a T-shirt from a preschool. Uh-huh. And she has been acting extremely immaturely for the entire show. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really interesting, because we see things here where she... I think that she comes to grips with the death of her father, or... I think that's part of it, you know, watching all of his stuff being sold off of a uh, front yard mm-hmm. and not intervening uh, not intervening, and having the dude buy her dad's motorcycle and ride it off into the sunset. And then in that moment being like, Boz, you're not my dad. Mm-hmm. When Boz is really just trying to tell her to like, be an adult, that's all he's trying to do right. is be like, hey, you need to be an adult right now they're selling your dad's motorcycle that's why you came here why are you doing this thing like i would totally do that thing like when i was in junior high i'd be like mom i'm not getting out of the car there's a girl over there that i like and i don't want her to see me <laughs> you know this is like a this is a very immature act on her part so she is going immature 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 she's coming to grips with the death of her father and she probably still doesn't even feel like an adult even though she owns like a company that's acquiring other companies that's doubling their payroll yeah and all this stuff um, I mean, she is an adult in every uh, way, shape, and form, except for her attitude. And maybe this is a way that she reclaims her adulthood: is she gets married, and that
0: is her way of saying, "I am an adult." This, this feels like someone who is immature's way of proclaiming that they're an adult, right? Proclaiming mm-hmm. that they are mature by doing something that most people view as a very mature act, but for immature right. reasons. Uh, exactly, and I. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think you hit it on the head there. She's kind of trying to prove to both herself and other people that she can do something, you know, adult, yeah. very grown up.
1: But, I mean, remember back in the season two when they were at the Mutiny House and they were having the party and Tom thought that they were going to cosplay together. Uh-huh. And so Tom dresses up like some Splinter Cell dude. And she's like, no, I don't want to do that. And then they get in a little bit of a fight. And she's like, are we breaking up now? Yeah. He's like, no, we're fighting. Like, this is what couples do from time to time. But you get over it and you stay together. Mm-hmm. I don't think that she's grown that much since <laughs> since that occurred. Nope,
0: I agree. I um, think absence has made the heart grow fonder between the yeah. two of them. And we might be back to square one with their relationship as soon as they're together.
1: Yeah, and why aren't they together? Like, why didn't Tom come back? Uh, I know that he does take care of his mom, so that's a big issue Mm -hmm. because his mom is unemployed, so he is the bankroll for his mother. It's just, it jives strangely with me because Tom is responsible, and Tom is, in many ways, very mature in the way that he takes care of his mom. He, you know, worked two jobs when he wasn't getting paid by mutiny, he took a night shift uh at the supermarket and mm-hmm. he also um tried to cover that up and be like and try he really tried to be a good coder for mutiny but he couldn't stay awake
0: um yeah, and he, he you know has some experience with relationships and some knowledge about them yeah. so yeah I, so it seems a bit hasty on his part it does it does i, I don't know what tom's thinking let alone what cameron's thinking. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I don't know why she doesn't necessarily want to tell anybody else either. Why she's hiding it? Because she's obviously hiding it, right? The rings in her pocket, yes. not on her finger. The rings
1: in her pocket.
0: Yeah. And I thought it was weird that she like. I thought it was telling that she
1: walked into Mutiny and nobody said hi to her. Yeah. After being gone for a for like a full week, being MIA, mm-hmm. uh, she walks into Mutiny at noon when everything's hustling and bustling around her and she has to say hi to, like, one other person. Like, people don't say hi to her when she walks in the door. When she says that Mutiny is a castle and Mutiny is me, mm-hmm. I feel like she's losing her grip on Mutiny. And maybe this is another thing. It's just an object of control. Because we can already see, it's 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 uh, demonstrated in this episode, that when the shit hits the fan, and when shit gets tough for Cameron, she puts that ring on her finger and everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Um... So
0: Tom's a rock.
1: Is that what's going on? <sighs> yeah, but I want more Tom, dude. Yeah. Like we got three lines of dialogue from Tom in a very awkward meeting. Very awkward <laughs> I don't think you could call it a date, and they're both pretty standoffish for each other to each other. Mm-hmm. And Cameron was a dick again. Okay. Uh even when Tom tries to apologize. Yeah. Uh, She, like, makes that stupid joke about, like, you pay for this. No, I'll pay for it. It's a business expense. By the way, you, that's not a business expense.
0: <laughs> no, it's not.
1: No, it's not. You can't go on dates with people and write <laughs> off the business expense. I, I don't think you're going to get audited for the $3, but that is not a business expense. Right. Um. So, anyway, uh, I'm just a little bit concerned we got thrown into the deep end on this one. Yeah, um, we'll see how it goes. It's is a catalyst for drama, so... Maybe it'll be. Maybe it'll shake things up and and be that interesting external catalyst that we're hoping for.
0: Could be. But. Could be. Uh, I want to go real quick back to uh, Gordon and Donna. Yeah. Just just for mm-hmm. a second, um, because I think mm-hmm. it becomes clear in this episode that work is one of the primary things getting in the way of their relationship. Because you can see on July fourth, yep. uh, when they have the day off, they're great, right? Um. Yeah. So I I know that, you know, Gordon's being a little neurotic here, but also work is taking its toll on both of them and that's causing their relationship to suffer as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um I don't know, I feel like Gordon's in a good place though. I liked him at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. when he's playing the Atari name game with the crew. Uh I feel like he's driving really
0: well and I think he likes his job. Well, maybe it's just I from Donna's side then. Work is causing her a lot of issues where she can't unwind with Gordon. Definitely. Definitely. I think that... Because, um, I mean, what is, yeah, what is Gordon's fun. job? Gordon sits there, and yeah. when the server breaks, he fixes it, right?
1: Well, he manages the coders.
0: I mean, he yeah. is the scrum, ma- he's the
1: scrum master, if you will. Uh, he's the one who's saying, hey, guys... I'm going to say they're not having their morning stand-ups. That's what I well, think. They're not having their morning stand ups. They're not, they're not obviously not doing, uh, scrum. Right. But he is the guy with the clipboard being like, hey, this is the day we got to get this done. This is what we're on track for. That's true. Um, that's you true. know, and he's, you know, gelling with the coders. He speaks their language. He, he's a technical guy. He really likes to, um, talk shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's his area, it's his, you know, domain of interest. I think he's doing stuff that's interesting him. Um, I don't think that you know work is his life the way it is for Donna uh, by any means, but right. I think Donna is really trying to get this thing to work because she is driven uh, to be that CEO person, and she is in many ways solely responsible for the success of Mutiny and doesn't get any fucking credit for it. That's true. Uh, As we talked about before, I mean, if Cameron had her way, Community would have been cut 14 episodes ago. Yeah. And now it is the central uh, nexus of the business. Um, So I think that it is wearing on her. Um, I think that's a bit interesting. But once again, not much changes from the beginning of the episode to the end of the episode. Right. Um, We've seen Gordon be bummed out at work. Uh, we've seen the relationship between Gordon and Donna strained. We've seen Cameron acting out. We've seen Joe be esoteric and come up with, um, antivirus and the internet and <laughs> laptop computers and <laughs> all of this stuff. Um,
0: can, can so, you tell me why Ryan's face is always so disgusted by everything? I think because he's, uh, he
1: doesn't
0: he's he doesn't connect with people on a human level. Has he never seen the aftermath of a movie night? It's pizza box <laughs> it's Chinese food, pizza boxes, sodas. Come on, Brian. It's not well, that disgusting. I, it just needs to be cleaned up the morning after.
1: I know, but this is this is him this is this is the time and an era. <laughs> it is. I mean this is him like realizing that Joe Spent uh, the night with that guy. Is, spent the night with a with a guy. Okay. Sure. You know, I, I think so. that it's a, it's an, un, I don't think that Ryan has been in that situation before. And therefore he walks into that thing and he's like, oh, like he's trying to, he's doing the boss. This is his version of Bosby. Like, <laughs> right. oh, you, oh, he, <laughs> oh, oh well, all right. I got a cousin. That, that's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is Ryan's version of that. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Okay. So but that's that's another thing with Ryan is we were really hoping that Ryan would be a henchman mm-hmm. that he's an evil genius and at this point he's a puppy dog for Joe right um and Joe needs friends
0: dude Joe needs Joe needs friends well i'm hoping he'll be back in action here and he can make some friends
1: <sighs> yeah i'm just bummed out a little bit cuz Joe is still extremely intriguing to me He's the central figure of the show. I mean, Donna has definitely emerged over time to become more of that central figure of the show and the nexus of the show. But Joe's kind of the whole reason why this fucking TV show was even created. Yeah. And now he's been relegated to a side character on plots that don't matter to the rest (laughs) of the story. Right. And it's just a little bit uh, bumming.
0: It bums me out. Yeah. Just a little bit. I'm with you. Uh, How about Boz? We haven't really talked much about Boz this episode he yeah. goes back uh he finds out that his son's angry at him for never being around and he gets bummed out again
1: mm-hmm.
0: i mean it, it also this is the first time we've seen
1: his son actually get pissed off at him his son's right. usually pretty hunky-dory yeah but his son goes out for work in quotation marks returns home drunk uh-huh and then tells boss he's a terrible father
0: yeah Which he was. It's always a bad idea to bet against openness, Boz. That's what I say. (laughs) Put a beer in your son and you'll get the truth. Well, but Boz, that was his very sweet, very eloquent um,
1: wedding toast to his son last season. Was that, you know, when you were at your high school graduation, when you graduated from high school, I was on a sales trip. Uh Um, You know, he understands that he was an absent father. Uh, I kind of put it together in this episode that he probably met uh, his wife at, at, because she was a flight attendant and he probably met her on a business trip. I kind of oh. didn't even realize that huh. um, because he traveled so right, much. Right,
0: right. That makes so, sense. So, you
1: know, every once in a while, even if you admit your mistakes, sometimes you got to hear them thrown back at you by the people that you hurt. That's true. Um, but these, at the same time, don't drink and drive. That's, that's what I was thinking for the most part. <laughs> right. It's like this guy drove home and he's fucking wasted. Mm-hmm. So maybe that could be a future plot is maybe his son dies in a car accident and maybe Boz has to
0: take a, a greater responsibility in his grandson's life. Maybe I, I mean know. I kind of like the dynamic they've got going right now, where Boz mm-hmm. regrets the things that he's done in the past, and he's trying to, in his own ways, make up for it. But the mm-hmm. son is not willing to accept it yet, and I, and I don't know that he will ever be. But I, I think that's an interesting yeah. angle for their relationship. I I would hate to have him just die and that be over. I mean, of course, Boz would have to yeah. deal with it, but that would be the end of it, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, at the same time, I feel like. I mean his
1: his son has been so nice to him. His son got him a job. Mm-hmm. Uh you remember he you remember Boz quit mutiny and he went and worked for his son's company and then quit that. Uh for Yeah, for a short while and then quit that to go and fly to San Francisco and be with the team there. Yeah. Um, you know, if if I think if it were up to his son,
0: uh Boz would have gone to the engagement party that he was rejected from by his ex wife. So do you think um, his son Views that as just another abandonment, just another in the pattern of never being around, Um, like Boz going to California.
1: It could be, but they also named, they gave their son, his middle name is Jonathan. Right. That's true. So, what the hell's going on, man? (laughs) I don't know. That's the thing. It is kind of out of the blue, and it's almost a little bit too convenient from a story standpoint to have the son pissed off at Boz. Yeah. Because he's been so sweet to his dad for, for so long. And maybe this stuff had to bubble up to the surface. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then it also dovetails because it tells you why Boz leaves Cameron in Texas. Yeah. Because she's like, you're not my father. And he's like, I know that she's like, I don't think you do. He's like, all right. You don't think I think you're, I'm your fucking father. (laughs) I'm going to leave you here. Uh If you, if you get out of my car, I'm just going to fucking drive off, which I thought was kind of, great oh, but he just played was...
0: right into her hands now it's independence day she's back at <laughs> mutiny at the old house drinking on the roof that's what she wanted yeah uh yeah that was actually
1: oh i didn't realize that was their old i didn't realize that was the old mutiny house yeah that's
0: why did you see the brick on the chimney that said like mutiny 84 to 85 all and right then, yeah. you know she yeah, had the yeah. stashed uh, flask up there
1: yeah I mean, there's something really beautiful in that i I didn't realize that was the mutiny house, but now that I think about it, I think that's actually
0: really cool that she went back and visited that house. That's a great especially on place for the story, right, like on Independence Day with these fireworks going off this is mm-hmm. this was her independence, right like now mutiny yeah. is no longer her company entirely, and mm-hmm. she feels it,
1: yeah, but welcome to owning a company
0: right that's the great thing about
1: starting a successful company <laughs> is that you get to hire really good people uh-huh. then they run the company and you make a lot of money and then you fucking chill <laughs> out and do whatever the fuck you want that's like the American goddamn dream here cameras it is. it is like you could let all of these really smart people run your company you sit back get a bankroll and fucking code your little heart out yeah how do I do that I want to do that <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's part of it like It just is really... It really bothers me that Cameron is so against hiring good people and letting them do good work. Yeah. Uh, And the only other person that she trusts is Tom. And Tom was her adversary at the beginning because he created the bootleg version of uh, whatever their fantasy game was. Mm -hmm. Um, So... There's more people out there than just Tom and Ryan and Cameron who are good at what they do. Uh, Donna is one of those people. Boz is one of those people. She needs to back off. And her singing this song of this is my company, Uh, I don't like anybody else's choices. It's getting a little bit old if it doesn't lead to anything. We need this to lead to something. Um, in order to make it interesting, and maybe it is, maybe it is leading to something now because she's uncovered the lie uh, that Donna told.
0: Her. I hope so. Maybe she needs yeah. to let Boz be her dad. I think that might yeah. go that might go over well. Yeah, just to get it. let have, have him
1: have him Rank it official. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be real sweet. <laughs> no, I love that actually because I I loved Boz's response to that uh, because he's like he may be a father figure, but he has a son. Mm. Right. And he's got enough shit stirred up with his own son. He doesn't need your shit too, Cameron. So fuck you if you are gonna reject his advice because he doesn't need you <laughs> to be fulfilled. He's got his own kid to worry about. Yeah. Um so uh I thought you know, Boz, once again, Boz and Donna, they are they are the best parts of the show, I think, at this point. Yeah, I always enjoy Boz. Um, you got a lot buzz, dude but you know at the same time while we do know quite a bit about him he is i don't know he he is very predictable but he's not very deep it's hard for me to say that he's not deep but he's he's kind of not um he's kind of there to just be that voice of reason and really the father figure for the entire show mm-hmm. uh he's the old ways he doesn't understand these newfangled technologies Uh, but he's got that sage advice and those folksy sayings and, uh, and he'll buy you a robot butler for your birthday. (laughs) He will. He will. He loves the robot butler. (laughs) But, you know, that's the thing with Cameron is that she needs to loosen the reins a little bit on the mutiny. Mm -hmm. Yes. She comes up with great ideas. She's got to learn to communicate those ideas. Right. Uh and then at the same time you cannot have your employees working on a bunch of shit and then pull the rug out from under them <laughs> and expect them to be fulfilled. That's exactly how to create unhappy employees. Yeah.
0: No, I mean that like whole strategy. They, it's real dumb that she doesn't just make a phone call. Uh yeah, just say, Hey Don, I need the week. Right. You don't have to say okay. I'm marrying Tom. You don't have to say right. oh, like where you are or anything, just say I won't be there until Friday, so hold off on any of the decisions.
1: Yeah. Being the leader of a company means that you are accountable to every employee at the company. Right. Like that is the, that's a fallacy of management is that once you become the boss, everybody's accountable to you. No. Hmm. Once you become the boss, you are accountable to everybody else. Yeah. That is how you create a successful management chain and you're there to support them and make them successful because they're the people who make you look good. And if she is having all of these people work on all this shit Put in time, sweat, uh, sh- tandy shandies to get this shit done. Well, and then she just pulls the rug out from under him and says, "No, I coded it myself." They're not gonna fucking want to work there. Yeah. That's a terrible work environment.
0: So I'm with you.
1: If she's got the idea, and she also writes beautiful, elegant quote code that nobody else can use because it's too intrinsic and too uh, too artisan, um, then then maybe she should have these ideas, get together with a group of coders and say, how are we going to pull this off? You're going to do it faster. It's going to integrate into your system. It's going to be QA tested. And uh, and you're going to have a better workforce, better employees, better results. So that's the thing. I mean, we keep harping on it here. But Cameron, she's got to grow up, dude. Because the, the immature Cameron syndrome is... It's a
0: little bit wary at this yeah, point. Yeah, and I honestly feel like... Some of this falls on, like, Boz, for instance, because, you know, hmm. Cameron is young and she's inexperienced and she can't be expected to understand, like, how to set up a proper management structure, whereas Boz knows that stuff. Boz has done it before. Um So mm-hmm. maybe she needs a little bit more guidance from Boz. Y- you know, she has she has yeah. a lot of stuff she needs to get over, right? She needs to grow up a little bit, like right. you said. Um But I do think she also needs t- to kind of stand on the shoulders of Boz a little bit. And trust him to, to help out. Cause, yeah. Because, I mean, it's, it's weird. Like, Donna and Cameron seem to be the primary conflict. But then, like, I don't know where Boz stands most of the time. Other than sales, I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly what he's doing for for this company. Boz, Boz could
1: and probably should leave at any time. He does. He is a convicted felon. So <laughs> that makes it there's more that. difficult.
0: Yeah. It makes it a little bit more difficult. But you know what? San Francisco is a place where you could start anew. An oh, God, you're right. Yerba buena, um, Buzz. Yerba buena, and he's
1: <laughs> and he's also uh, he's a little long in the tooth as well. So yeah, maybe he's maybe Buzz is, is on the edge of retirement at some point, but he's got to figure out a way to get a bankroll in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's a life insurance policy from his son.
0: <laughs> God, okay. I think that's a good glass nose to, to go to feedback. Yeah, glass nose. What
1: about it? <laughs> openness Tandy Shandies I Tandy fucking Shandies Jimbo All right let's uh <laughs> let's uh let's let's get the feedback we have an email this week that we want to read We do
0: we have a singular right. email here uh that I'm going to really <laughs> we're really going to have to dive into it don't
1: have a lot You know what we're on we're on 56k modems so you know, not all the emails get through because we're we're doing this show in vogue of the era. Right. You and I are both on Apple IIs, Um We're both on Not
0: Safe for Work Net, NS, NSF Net. NSF not Net. Safe net. Yes. Uh, <laughs> not Safe for Net.
1: Not Safe for Net. That's a... I don't... Yeah. No. Anyway, what's what's the e-mail? Uh,
0: Noah from North Carolina says, Hi, guys. I don't know about you, Mm -hmm. but I found this episode boring and repetitive. All right. We're we're pretty much on board with you, Noah. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't see where the show is going with the characters. It seems like after two seasons, it's the same old game of let's not communicate with each other truthfully and wait for every secret to blow up. It's also clear by now that Cameron doesn't really want to grow the business, but just create something for her own little world. Oh, and why Mm -hmm. can't Boz ever catch a break? I get that Joe is by, but I don't get why we needed half an episode of him not being HIV positive. It's understandable for the time, era, yes. and place, but really? Exactly. If they're going to do that, they should make it a point of the season and not half an episode. I'm yep. completely on board with totally. that. Totally. It says, finally, hopefully we can get a character to take the reins and progress some sort of end goal. Yep. You know, also this
1: is episode five. Right. Is this a case of a the lot sagging shows... middle? A lot of shows sag in the middle. Yeah. Um, and it's just a symptom of being a show. That's one of the things that uh, – I know you've seen Stranger Things now. It's one of the things that people really appreciate about Stranger Things is that that show is eight episodes long. Yeah, no sagging. Um, and and I kind of wish more shows would do that mm-hmm. at this point. You know, England's been doing that for fucking years, dude. Yeah. England has like 12 episodes, and that's an entire series. Right. That's that, that's it. That's season, That series finale. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so I'm hoping that this is a symptom of the mid season sag and that we're ready to catalyze, uh, up to the climax of the season. Yeah. Um, happen. but we're, we're on board with you, man. Uh, I do have, uh, there's some good form stuff here. Uh, this one from King Cobra. He says, I have a question. Are we so connected to these characters? Uh, and the floundering and frustration that they are living in is coming across in our feelings about the show. I mean, when the show is hot, everyone is hyped and excited. Now that we are in the downward slide for our characters, do we start disliking what we are seeing? I'm sure things will turn around on the show. Maybe not for everyone, but I'm sure for some folks. This is interesting because, first of all, King Cobra is saying that we're on a downward slide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all of these characters are on an upswing. I mean, Joe's about to invent the internet and Cameron invented <laughs> PayPal. <laughs> right. In this episode. Yeah. It feels like we might be on a seesaw where there's like a little up um, and a little down. I do like to see these characters succeed, but I like them to succeed by being smart and clever. Mm. That's what I really, we talked about it, man. I love it when Joe uh, walks into a pitch meeting and nails the pitch. Like, that's awesome. I love the Joe monologues from season one, where he puts his two fingers on his temple and does little salutes while he's talking about <laughs> shit. Like this is, this is what I really love. This is what got me hooked on the show. And now Joe is Zen Master, and now uh, Cameron and uh, Donna and Mutiny are roaring successes. So all we have is, um, is the characters and what's and what they're going through in their personal mm-hmm. lives and unfortunately i think the general consensus on this episode looking from the forums looking from our feedback and looking from our own perspectives is that we are in a dip because we are focusing way too much on character conflict as opposed to external conflict yeah so i love to see him succeed but i want to see a problem i don't see i don't I don't see the problem that they need to get over at this point that's what i'm really searching for so uh yeah um and then uh, King Cobra also, uh, he, he talks about Cameron. He says, for me, she's always been portrayed as an emotionally stunted character. She wears her emotions on her sleeve and allows them to control her actions. They are not always rational or even to her best interest, uh, but I think they've done a good job of building her. It's not like she's getting help either. Right now, Donna is the closest thing that she has to a mother figure, and even that teetered on friend instead of the guidance level for her character to grow, she's going to need someone to allow her to be her, but also to help her from being
0: controlled by her emotions to her detriment. It sounds like it's it's Tom. Tom. It's got to be Tom. I mean, if anybody can get any growth out of Cameron, it'll be Tom.
1: I think that Mutiny needs a big competitor to step
0: in. Okay, like Joe. Or like eBay. (laughs) I don't know. Elon Musk with PayPal.
1: I mean... (laughs) Ideally, I want to see this Wizard of Oz crew come back together. I think we talked about my Wizard of Oz theory here, but I'm going to go over it really quickly once again. Okay. uh, That Donna is Dorothy. Wait, I thought that was Boz. Boz Boz is Toto. (laughs) Okay. Boz is Toto for sure. (laughs) Because he is the emotional compass of this group of misfits. Uh Uh, and he's loyal and he's folksy, just like that little Scotty dog. So Bo- <laughs> yes, Boz is Boz is uh is Toto. But okay, so Donna's Dorothy. Uh Gordon is the scarecrow because he's doesn't have a brain. because uh-huh. uh, his brain is literally eating itself alive. because uh, yep. he has a chronic disease and it's terrible. But uh he's he's a scarecrow. Um Joe is the Tin Man because he is heartless. Mm. And he's a bit of a robot and Cameron is the cowardly lion because she literally just curls up in a ball whenever she ha- encounters any type of um, adversary. So this is my Wizard of Oz theme, and I think that Boz is totally Toto. I want to see the crew back together. I want to see this crew going down the golden, br- uh, the yellow brick road to the Emerald City. Oh, maybe they're going to oh. come up to Seattle. Who knows? But I'm just saying... Joe was
0: talking about building pathways. Exactly.
1: But this is what I'm saying. Is I like it... This is a really super long, convoluted way to end the podcast on this note. But I like it when this crew is together. And that's my main frustration right now, I think, with the plot, is we are so separated with these two stories, and neither of them are strong enough to stand on their own. I want to see interaction between Joe and the rest of the crew because this crew is best when they are together. Um, Yeah. And maybe a competitor getting thrown in can throw it into the mutiny space can help catalyze that because then Joe teams up with community. And once you have an ISP plus community, what do you have? My friend, you have
0: AOL. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, yeah. I, maybe. I, I think he f- got the internet. I think he got, yes. But if you have
1: the ISP partnered with the, with community, and with chat rooms and shit. Right. I mean, that's basically AOL circa ninety six. And then they're just sending out discs. Sending out coasters to everybody. Oh yeah. So I, I don't want to be too prescriptive either. I'm I just want this show to be good. At this point I look at this I look at this uh this pile that we're looking at for this episode and I'm saying what would make me interested moving forward? I'm not saying that this has to happen or I'm not gonna be happy. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. This is what made me happy in the past, and I feel like this is what I'm hoping for in the future. It's just a little bit more interaction
0: between these groups, because that's what's that's, that's what I love. Yeah, I'm with you. M- maybe Gordon will find Joe on the ham radio, mm. and he won't realize he's talking to Joe, and they'll meet up for a swap meet, mm-hmm. and then hilarity ensues. Question mark. Question mark. Well,
1: I bet you Joe shows Hilarity. up with like that with a train with like the one missing train set that Gordon was looking for, <laughs> right? And Gordon shows up with Joe's soul, and they trade <laughs> in a suitcase. In a suitcase, yep. And uh, and then it's stolen by uh, Marcellus Wallace, and then we <laughs> realize this is the prequel to Pulp Fiction, which takes place in 1992. I'm just saying we are leading up to this being a prequel for Pulp Fiction.
0: Sweet, I'm in. Okay.
1: All right. Well, I think that's enough for this week. That's enough tandy shanties for this week, my friend. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, listener, thanks for listening, and uh, we know you're out there because we're looking at the numbers, and we know we- more than one of you is listening. So please write us uh, mutiny at baldmove dot com. Uh, that's the email address to get in touch with us. And as always, we will have forums for our forum posts for each episode up on Tuesday night uh, as the show airs. So please be a part of the conversation forums. Dot baldmove.com and until next week i'm eric and i'm jim log out